You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Hey there, everybody. As always, this episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. At the time of this recording, FredsBS.com, the order function is still down as Fred is doing a lot of house cleaning. And uh, hopefully those will be back up within the next few weeks. But if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, definitely keep that coupon code in mind for when orders come back. That coupon code again is no love lost uh, for 20% off your order. But if you're looking for ways to immediately support No Love Lost, I suggest you go to the Podcast Jukebox Network. Uh, and order yourself some No Love Lost merch. They've got No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts available for purchase there. So guys, again, if you can't support us monetarily, that's totally fine. We love you. Uh, It means a lot to us when you listen, when you spread the word. Uh, So guys, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys so, so much, and I hope you're having a fantastic summer. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something supposedly But even though there are times we We had to go back. Did we, though? Did we? I mean, we brought someone here with us today. It'd be pretty rude if we don't go back. Ha! He's your problem now! Bye! Uh, I am Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And as Will just pointed out, we have a very special guest joining us today. Hey, I'm Zara Fuzzle, and I'm uneasy about the responsibility I may have just acquired. (laughs) Welcome back. To No Love Lost, the podcast where we dissect the greatest television program in the history of television programs. Much of that was wrong. I think <laughs> I think literally all of it was correct. <laughs> I think it was all correct. Oh, Every... We need a fact checker on this podcast for so many reasons. Let me tell you what, Megan. Can't <laughs> fact check art. Can't do it. Can't be done. <laughs> Um, so anyway, that may as, be the best thing ever said on this podcast. Um, so today we're going to be talking about season two, episode nine, What Kate Did. Ooh. It is written by Stephen, oh, I, I screw up <laughs> everyone's name, and it's probably not a hard name to say. Stephen Maida, Maida, yeah, let's go with that, and Craig Wright. And directed by Paul Edwards, the first episode Paul Edwards directed. I don't know if he directs any in the future. <laughs> but I was the first say, does he become a long-term director? <laughs> no, he does not. But he directed this episode. But before we get into all that, let's let's we we well, mentioned we have a guest with us today. We we do indeed. And of course, as always, you know, spoiler alert for the rest of the show. If you have any interest in Lost and somehow you're still unspoiled, just a heads up, we're gonna be talking about everything from here on out. So, Zara, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to talk Lost with you. Uh, a little about myself. I'm an actor here in Los Angeles and uh, I, I find myself working on a lot of animation and video games, which is a fun world to live in. And uh, I'm a huge fan of um, like sci-fi, fantasy content. And so Lost was right up my alley in this very kind of interesting science philosophy beautiful beach and beautiful people <laughs> intersection of my interests so um, was it something you watched like right when it premiered were you like right at the beginning so here's my here's how lost and i found each other this is why we brought you on <laughs> well not to be a total downer but um in January of 2008, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, stage four. And in that time when we were taking care of him and he was hospitalized, uh, I don't remember the exact moment or who may have recommended it, but somehow I began watching season one of Lost. And once I, it was this great thing to kind of escape for a few hours to play a few episodes and just get out, take a little vacation from the stressors that were happening in, in my personal life. Yeah. And so I ended up binging all of the first season, like within a day and a half. Like I didn't oh, wow. go to bed. <laughs> and uh, I was working at the Japanese embassy in Washington, D.C. at the time. Uh, that sounds like a story I would like to hear about too. <laughs> Maybe not say, for the punk, but that sounds like... I have a lot of questions yeah. about that I just said. <laughs> but let's, let's keep the lost for now. So I would show up to work at the Japanese embassy, and I would be exhausted, but it was totally worth it because I had, you know, stayed up all night watching this incredible show. And I knew that I, this was back in the day, so this was when the first three seasons were out and available on DVD. So this was 2008, beginning of 2008. Uh, I was like, you know what? This is before streaming. I was like, if I don't buy Starbucks for the next three months, <laughs> I'll be able to afford these DVD box sets. And so I did. I challenged myself to not buy any coffee out. And I got the lost, uh, the first three seasons of Lost on DVD. And I very, very quickly devoured them. And it was just, so that was like, and then from season four on, I watched them episodically yeah. as they aired. And like, I feel because of the beginning, my relationship with it, and then subsequently Lost became something I shared with close friends and my uh, romantic partner at the time. It became something that, I don't know, I associate it with so many good and, and um, memorable parts of my life. It's, a, it's, it's it, special. It, you know what? I feel like Lost is that show for a lot of people because I, in, in the new golden age of TV that kind of started, I guess, with The Sopranos, Lost became the first show that you were going down internet rabbit holes that like every week you would talk. I had friends that after each episode we'd get on the phone and we'd dissect everything that was yes. going on and we'd remember like, well, you know, what just happened? Don't you remember in season two when this happened and that released it? And it, it was a bit of a puzzle box and it's the first show I remember because it was also network before everybody had, like now I feel like everyone has HBO, but... Mm -hmm. It was the first network show where we were all doing that. We were all kind of on the, 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 you know, water cooler show, but in a more geeky, mystery, internet kind of way. I could only yeah. imagine if Twitter had been around when Lost started, it would have been oh, even crazier. I, I wish to God 
podcasting had been a thing when Lost was initially airing mm. because I would have eaten up like every Lost podcast on at the time. And I have plenty of grievances with Lost, but one thing uh, I think we all sort of share, like regardless of opinions on the show, is how important it was sharing it with the people around us. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I, we, and because of the way we watch TV now, what, one of the things that, and I know people, some people were disappointed in the ending of Game of Thrones, but one of the things that I kept thinking about while watching Game of Thrones was this might be the last time we have a show like this where we're all on the same page, we're all in this journey together because now, it's you know... Well, I'm only four episodes into the new season of Stranger Things, and I haven't even started it, and I finished it. And then you're at a dinner party, and you can't talk about it. Yeah. You know? and Like, anybody watch Stranger Things? No spoilers! I just started it! Yeah. And so, yeah, that's the way the conversation goes. I, I totally hear you, but I do remember when the Seinfeld finale was airing. Wow. People said that about Seinfeld, too. Like, this is the last great water cooler show. That's that was true. Like that's 25 true. years ago. That was a very different kind of water cooler show, though, because Seinfeld, you just would be like, did was you, it? you <laughs> see it last? You, you, and look, I'm Seinfeld might, and you know, I say Lost is the greatest show of all time, but I mean, if it got to my head, Seinfeld might be my favorite show of all time, you know? It, you, and, hey, there there is an objective difference between best and favorite. It's it's okay. Yeah, and also comedy and drama sometimes on TV. It's hard to hold a sitcom from yeah. the 90s up against like some drama of today. But you know, there wasn't a lot to unpack with Seinfeld. It was more <laughs> like you know. <laughs> they weren't leaving. It was clues. more like Yada yada yada, you know. You would just be. Although, how great would a, a J.J. Abrams retelling of Seinfeld? Oh my gosh, J.J. Abrams, please reboot Seinfeld. That, I mean, I would or watch don't, it. Or don't, or don't. Seinfeld don't. is a real mystery box show. We're gonna get to the bottom of how Kramer can afford to like live without working and all this stuff. That's the mystery box. At the, Why does Jerry leave his door unlocked? People can just barge into his apartment at any time. He lives in New York. Lock your doors, Jerry. Yeah, well, you know. Um, but yeah, no. So Lost, Lost did was the first show, and I feel like if it. I feel like the X-Files in the 90s were almost that, but it didn't quite, and probably because of the, like, I didn't have a computer at the time the (laughs) X-Files started, you know? So I think that Lost is really a show that we came up with on the internet. I remember every, the next day, I would go to Entertainment Weekly's website, and there would be pages upon pages of content of just dissecting the episode, and I'm like, and then they had people who would, if a character was reading a book on the show, then they would do a whole dissection of everything that was in that book. Oh, that's which, cool. Which was like, that's going real deep on this. Yeah, but I think you're totally right. I mean, Lost in many ways was um, the natural, uh, or X-Files was the predecessor to Lost. That was a show, X-Files, I was obsessed with as a child. Yeah. In a similar, and in a similar way, you know, began to interact with the internet in a way to connect with other people who were talking about the show and creating art around the show. Oh man, all the hours I spent on the Gossamer archive, the <laughs> X-Files fan fiction uh, page. Uh, I, I, it's, it's so many hours. And similarly with Lost, I kind of dove into the world of fan fiction and fan creation and um, 
you know, even that really weird esoteric world of real people fan fiction where you write uh. and you read about the actors in the show and what they're doing. Like one of my fondest memories is one of my very close friends at that time, we wrote something in an email back and forth to each other called Crackfic. <laughs> only she and I could read it, but it was basically how the two of us went to San Francisco and started meeting and flirting with various <laughs> cast members of Lost and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I was with Josh Holloway. She was with Dominic Moynihan. It all I mean, worked well, out. <laughs> Dominic Moynihan, that works out for both of those then. You Lord of the Rings and exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's the ideal one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, you you probably have a good time on this show because I keep talking about um, all of the a the potential AUs that could be done with a lost reboot. Um, so we can go down that rabbit hole at some point. Um, but I, I do have to ask because the ending is so divisive. What's your take on the ending of this show? Careful here. <laughs> it's okay. Just because you're sitting close to me, it's okay to disagree. Um. <clears throat> Here's the thing. I think I watched season six, each of those episodes, exactly once as they were airing. Uh, and the last time I saw the finale of Lost was 2010 when it aired. Uh. I remember at the time, I think I maybe watched the, the finale episode twice. But I remember at the time feeling, it was akin to the feeling of you eat a delicious pizza but it's like a Domino's pizza. No offense, Domino's. <laughs> and it's not like this, you know, artisanal good ingredients pizza. It's like a, it satisfies you for the moment, but then you feel a little empty the next day. And uh, maybe that came to mind because I think I literally ordered Domino's pizza the night of the finale. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I so how much of it was the finale and how much of it was mediocre Domino's? It's hard to say. Hard to say. No, I am... Um, I liked the ending in certain aspects, but I was disappointed because the show ended at a very different place than where it started. For me, it started as this compelling sci-fi supernatural drama. And by the time it ended, it was almost this parable of morality and religion. Like the entire sixth season, I don't think ultimately I'm a huge fan of the personification of the smoke monster and Jacob. And that got a little too... It just wasn't where it started for me. And I know before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about expectation of media, yeah. right? And what you think will happen versus what actually happens. And then how do you temper your disappointment or frustration? Or, you know, do you let it delight you? Take it where it's going to take you? Or do you feel, well, that didn't go where I thought it should go? Like, <laughs> and so I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about it. Because part of me accepts it like, okay, that's nice. But then the other part of me is like, my, my actually, my biggest beef with the ending is not the final episode itself and is not the reveal of the, them being in this almost, this place between life and death and moving on to the next. That doesn't mean as much fact that they kept introducing new characters in season six, the final season, <laughs> new character after new character. Oh, you and got I was the like, guy, yeah, the guy who runs the temple, the guy, you know, you got all these other people. Zoe, and I'm yeah. like, you guys, you have so many amazing characters already. Use them to wrap up the story. You don't need to be introducing new characters to, to tell this plot. It's too much. <laughs> that was my gripe. I could see that, especially when you're getting towards the end of a show. You want to, like, 
well, I don't want a whole episode about these people I don't know. I want to spend time because I know my time is limited with them. It didn't bother me, really, because I, I think at that point I was probably... You start getting Nikki the, and but, Paolo flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but, you know, you see shows, even today, I feel, make that mistake all the time. Totally. The Walking Dead being a big one of, well, let's, well, how many more people can we throw onto the show you know and it's like oh and then you come to like those people and then they get eaten and there are all these new people um you know lost uh, for me and you know megan will really get into it years <laughs> from now when we because we're only in season two um we've, we've made a big commitment here um when i am in my twilight years yes. yeah but what I always say is I, I will acknowledge that it doesn't it definitely cleanly and maybe this is an understatement solve a lot of their little mysteries but it was so overwhelmingly emotionally satisfying to me that it, it, I, I find the end of it very moving like I find what these characters meant to each other very moving and, and something you said about how you know, when you watched it and you're connecting with people while you're watching it, and, and and there's something to be said, like, that's what those characters on the show are doing. And I feel like I was very much going through the same thing with the people I connected with from the show. And that is why I love it. You were on your own island. Yes. Your own plane crash survivors. Exactly. In a way. But we are here to talk about one episode in particular, what Kate did. Now, I believe... My, you wanted to do this episode, right? You specifically. I did because I am a huge, was, am a huge uh, Kate and Sawyer shipper. <laughs> and uh. I wanted to do a Kate and Sawyer centric episode. Uh, Jack sucks. <laughs> Jake shippers can suck it. I. That we will agree on. Yay! I, it's weird that, like, Jack is basically the main character of this series and he might be my least favorite character i just want to show you the notes i wrote for this podcast jack sucks is one of my <laughs> notes that i took on this episode that's amazing um, yeah i have i have mixed mixed feelings about jack and most of those feelings are negative well the i think one thing at least for me with jack was jack's two main antagonists particularly early in the series are Locke and sawyer who I find to be both so much more interesting. Brilliant characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we've gone back and forth on this a lot uh, because, like, on the one hand, the way Jack is initially introduced to us is insanely compelling. Totally. But as time goes on, and he becomes more and more of that reluctant leader, where he's like, but then is also really indignant when people don't listen to him, and he. And he's like, well, I'm the one in charge because everybody wanted me to be. And it's it's just so weird. Uh, it, like, his characterization goes through a lot of weird up and downs. And when I think about what I love about Jack, I always think back to that first season. And I think back to the pilot specifically. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's just when I think about all the stuff I hate about Jack, it usually comes back to the way he treats Kate yes. and the way their dynamic works within the multiple love triangles that pop up within the show. Uh, Jack is a character by the end of the series. I liked Jack. My big issue, and I think we've talked about this before, is there is clearly magical shit going on on this <laughs> island and he refuses 
to acknowledge it until he finally, in season four, sees the island disappear in front of his eyes. That's what it took. None of this other crazy shit. But that is what finally is like, oh, yeah, I guess there was a lot of craziness going on on that I should have believed everybody. <laughs> See, my, my big issue first time around wasn't his reluctance to believe. It was all the love triangle nonsense. Yeah. My big issue this second time around is the realization that I'm like, oh, my God, he's inadvertently gaslighting everyone around him. Mm. <laughs> now, now, one thing that's interesting about this episode, because this comes on the heels of two, one very untraditional lost episode, the other 48, where we follow the tailies, and then on the heels of the... Ana Lucia episode. Uh, quote, the greatest uh, great character, end quote, Will Link, 2019. I I don't I don't I don't like Ana Lucia and they tricked me into calling her a great character. Oh, and I don't it care. That's pretty great. And I'd like to point out our Twitter followers agree with me. But you're not an Ana Lucia fan. I'm not an Ana Lucia fan. Stop. But I, I feel like given enough time I would have become a fan. Like, you know, one of those characters that they hadn't <laughs> developed her enough for me, and then she was dead. Because she got a DUI along with several other members of the cast who were then killed off. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's, and that's interesting, too, is, like, I'm fascinated how the real life, because I'm an actor myself, probably, like, the, the real life acting, the real life lives of the actors interfered in the storytelling and creativity because of their decisions on Hawaii. So, uh, this episode is a much and I don't I, I don't want to diminish the episode at all because I think it's a great episode but it's a much lower stakes in comparison to the previous two episodes it's a little bit of a breather in a way it's a little bit of a more like traditional island story yeah for for me this episode watching it this time around felt kind of odd because because of those lower stakes I was like huh this is this is interesting but I think the the issue that I have in that capacity is because I'm not watching it week to week. You know, we, we mm. stagger our recording schedule, so I wasn't watching these episodes boom one week, boom one week, boom one week, because I remember the first time I watched this episode, first of all, that cold open completely blew me away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And second of all, this really, I do remember thinking, like, it was nice to kind of exhale after those very, very tense, very dark uh, on a Lucia-focused episode. And it's nice to be back in the company of Kate, someone we know and love. And this is a very... It's a very interior episode for her. It's a lot of, like, emotions, like her having these breakdowns or keeping a lot of stuff in. And it's... a, it's. I think Evangeline Lilly's great in the episode. Oh, my God. Yeah. Evangeline Lilly's face acting in this episode <laughs> is so, so good. So yeah. let's start with the... We usually if we can start with a flashback. So we're gonna go through the flashback here. And it starts off, Kate is sitting on a porch, flicking a lighter, when this pickup truck pulls up drunk creep, <laughs> gets out of the car, and as the scene goes on, we start to realize, oh, this is her stepfather, Wayne. And, you know, she puts, she puts in the bed, and he is like, He's super creepy talking about, I ain't going to take off my pants, too, or Ugh, whatever. You yeah. are beautiful. Ugh, no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not good. And we don't fully know 
the relationship here. Right. Um, there's also a great little moment where they're going through the house and he smells something and she's like, oh, it's probably your breath. We yeah. later figure out, oh, it's gas. It smells <laughs> ghastly. That's a great, that's just a great little line to throw in there. It's not too overt the first time you watch it. Yep. But upon a second watch, you're like, oh, there it is. And then, of course, uh, you know, she puts him to bed, gets on a motorcycle as she drives away. House blows up, as they do. Because, baby, she was born to run. Woo! Um, <laughs> I love I, when Springsteen is referenced. <laughs> I do have to ask, um, because this is, you know, it's at this point, it's been a season. It's been an entire season, almost in a half at this point, because we're almost at the halfway mark, um, of not knowing what Kate did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When this flashback started did either of you anticipate upon a first watch that like oh that that she did that oh i uh remembering back to my first watch i probably almost certainly didn't when i rewatched the episode before coming on this podcast i completely <laughs> forgotten what was gonna happen and so i was like whoa on the treadmill as i was watching this episode like, uh, and uh, props to the to the to the props department the special effects you know live uh, ammunition whatever like oh, that was a really cool explosion and it looked phenomenal yeah it's a it's a big explosion they did not uh, uh, skimp on the budget for that that sequence no the um, the the effects in this show because of the time it aired don't always hold up as, as we've discussed in the past but yeah that explosion was pretty solid and uh, I I mean I had remembered there were there were a couple of details about this episode I had forgotten also but I had remembered that she blew up a house because I remember that of her on that motorcycle because it's a great it's a great oh, shot so cool. and then she goes to her mom and basically Kate basically admit, <laughs> basically immediately admits to to murdering uh, her mother's husband her stepfather Wayne uh, you know she's She's like, you know, I made my bed. Well, your bed's gone. Like, what? <laughs> what a dark thing to say. And she doesn't even take the coffee and pie her mother offers her. Like, Kate, at least have a little <laughs> coffee and pie before you go on the run. <laughs> and it's, and I get why she does, because she knows deep down her mother knows this guy's a problem. But the mother loves him, and that's the way a lot of people are in these abusive relationships. So I get why Kate, who loves her mother, wants to, she's almost like, I mean, it's a sense of pride. Like, when she says a dark line like that, it's almost also like, like, I did this thing. I did this thing for us. I did this thing for you. And we're going to be better because of it. But the mom's like, nope, I'm calling the police. But here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I love Kate. She's a wonderful character. And I will maintain from now until the day I die that she should have been the protagonist of this show. Oh, snaps. Yes. Absolutely. And that was the plan. That was originally the plan, and then they were like, nope. Because they were going to kill Jack off, right? In the first episode. Yeah. (laughs) I know, right? And so um, one of the AUs that I consistently fall back on is uh, Detective Kate is actually the main character, and she just solves all these island mysteries. She's not a detective level quite yet in this episode, because as we see, she's kind of sloppy here. But here's the thing about this whole this whole sort of setup for the the various reveals that we get in the episode. We we know from this moment that he we know from the the cold open that he's a creep. 
And we know from this moment that he is, in fact, an abusive husband, which very much informs Kate's actions. But did she actually do it for her mom? Or did she do it 100% for selfish reasons? Because that's I, that's I, what the marshal brings up later. I think she does it... I or think they're more both? I think yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's more selfish reasons probably because of reveals we find out about this actually spoiler. Why am I giving spoilers? <laughs> but it's We gave our spoiler that, at the but that of the show. it's her that it's Wayne really is her father and she's clearly disgusted by this fact. But I think in the scene when she sees them I think there is part of this the way like a child looks at their parent and like like be proud of me. Like, I may, I took this step for... I think there's... A, she's probably deluded herself in that moment because otherwise, why are you going to confess to killing your mother's husband? Yeah. She must think on some level her mother wants this and on some level the mother probably does, but not enough. Also, you shouldn't really be murdering anybody. Yeah, some people <laughs> just don't have murder in their hearts as yeah. we come to learn later in this episode. And, and Kate clearly clearly does that is an option that is available to her to solve a problem to extinguish something she doesn't like in herself she turns it out on other people and that's an interesting thing about Kate that keeps coming up in this series is how does she deal with problems um is she externalizes it you know when when it gets too tough internally she turns it out which is one of the reasons why she's such an interesting character well now Kate's on the run and she's buying a bus ticket to Tallahassee. I do also want to point out, it's interesting because normally uh, in episodes leading up to this, there's a problem. And Kate can be very proactive and she is very resourceful. But a lot of times when there is a problem, her response will be to run away. Mm-hmm. And um, this was definitely a problem that you know she she didn't run from initially uh like she chose to take action and then had to run as a result of that Mm. and you know the marshal does talk about her being like sloppy at one point i feel like the only real sloppy thing that she did was tell the mom like he's like oh ghastly how are they gonna figure out that she did i mean she could be a suspect but i mean i mean i don't know I it feel a, like it I was feel a like, pretty way to slop. It was a pretty sloppy way to tell her mom about the insurance policy. Oh yeah, because envelope of cash. I'm just gonna slide across the <laughs> or the insurance well, policy because yeah. she's like, I took this policy out. It's in your name, and you never saw me. Like maybe plant the seeds about the policy a little earlier than that. Be like, hey mom, like supposed to be real bad floods this this year i'm gonna go ahead and take out an insurance policy yeah, on she your was house. sloppy with that thing, she wants to be caught and i think sub, like deep down subconsciously she wants a reason to leave she wants something that's going to force her to leave and then she wants in a weird way to be held accountable because she's proud of I this thing that. she's done but, i love that you're, you're right and kate is a character i think we'll see other moments throughout the series where there's almost like she feels a that she deserves to be punished for something, or yep. she, yeah. Honestly, so. a lot of characters in this show do. Yeah. So that that actually makes a lot of sense. A lot of these characters have uh, <laughs> daddy issues, <laughs> like, and by a lot of them, I mean all of them, <laughs> every single one of them. Oh, I love Jack's dad. That's unrelated. I'm sorry, but I do love him, and I love Jack's daddy issues. Um, but, 
So she's going to take a bus to Tallahassee. For the listeners out there, Zara is staring wistfully into the distance. Yeah, she, yeah there you go. Well, you know, because Jack's dad's usually more right than Jack anyway, even when he's drunk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, oh, Christian. So, he's the hotter shepherd. <laughs> That's Jack's last name, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like my memory, like pulling that out of fifteen-year memory. Uh, but uh, so she's going to Tallahassee because that's where you go when you're on the run. You go to Florida, of course. And <laughs> she wants to punish herself. Yeah, she's yeah. going to Florida. <laughs> and there's this guy behind her online. He's making all sorts of like small talk, and you know she she immediately knows something's up, something's going on. And when the in, I mean. Everybody could probably figure out it's the U.S. Marshal who we've seen a million times, but this is their first encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he basically says when she figures out, oh, he's here to get me, he's like, don't run. So she punches him. <laughs> I, I do want to point out, I feel like it's not a coincidence that, and this is something I didn't really pick up on until now, but the Marshal, I feel like, acts a little bit like Wayne. Mm. And I, you know, we, we get hints of that from um, from her her monologue at the end of the episode when it when she's talking about Sawyer yeah. and and the similarities to those two characters. But I'm kinda I kinda get a, a little bit of Wayne vibes from the Marshal. Cause he's clearly infatuated with her in some on some level, in some way, shape, or form. Just You based- thinking like though like a more than just a cat and mouse kind of thing? I, I don't know on what level of infatuation he clearly has with her, but, like, based on, like, the level of pettiness that he takes when it comes to her, because, like, we, we've talked a, a lot about this in other Kate-focused episodes where we're seeing the, the dynamic between... Because he's such a dick to her! Mm-hmm. Yeah, he almost like marvels at. He even says it later in this episode. You're like, what is a good corn-fed girl like you? Like, I think he's fascinated by the this juxtaposition of her innocence and beauty and femininity with this like hard-edged, murderous, like vigilante justice kind of. I think that combination probably really intrigues him in trying to figure out like how how does this woman operate? Yeah. And, and we've seen in previous episodes, in previous flashbacks, he takes every opportunity he can to, like, needle her. And I don't know if that's just because he resents her initial escape here um, and his definite subsequent humiliation because she steals this car. Um, yeah. I don't know if it all stems from just this pettiness of her having gotten the better of him after this first interaction or if it's just legitimately there's something about her that yeah he's he's intrigued by and pursues that to a really weird like odd degree. I smell a spin-off series <laughs> starring the US Marshal and maybe he had a daughter who like fell on the wrong side of the law and then Kate comes into his life and he's like, "Oh, it reminds me of my daughter. I can save her. I got to bring her in and and <laughs> bring her to justice and in some way maybe I can make it up make up for the fact that I'm a terrible father myself all right we're going on AO3 tonight and writing this out <laughs> perfect so U.S. Marshal he's transporting her and he's he's asking a question why now like why yeah. did you like this guy's been 
been uh, abusive to your mom all that and he starts kind of spinning a tale where he's getting some things right and getting some things wrong like he's got a general idea of kate's life and Do backstory prisoners normally ride in the front seat <laughs> normally he's a bad marshal <laughs> well you know he is he is a bad marshal because think of all the times she escaped from, i mean it is really like the fugitive like it's like you know, and it just keeps on, ah, just keeps missing. Doctor Richard Kimball. Maybe first Kimble. day at work, oh, and, and he's putting on airs because he's like, I gotta act like, like the big I man on campus. I can't let them know I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have to overcompensate. And then when he has to file his report later, they're like, What do you mean she was riding in the front seat? <laughs> and there, he's he's kind of kneeling, and she's keeping quiet for the most part also because you know you don't want to incriminate yourself mm-hmm. you ever get arrested kids don't say shit <laughs> that's my policy and i talk a lot so, so you have the right to remain silent <laughs> will link 2019 um and then what runs across the road why it's a black horse <laughs> maybe a black stallion black beauty maybe well, anyway, this causes the marshal to swerve off the road. And, you know, we have already on the island seen these quote-unquote visions of a black horse. I mean, a horse. I guess Jacob sent this horse. I... Jacob's horse. <laughs> I have questions about this horse. And the horse... I have some... questions about this dark horse. Ah. Uh, and and that one terrible. killed it. That one killed all our horse stuff. I, I like this. So, Kate sees the opportunity. She escapes from the car. She kind of looks at the horse one last time before they all part ways. (laughs) And the horse goes, everybody gets one, and then rides off into the distance. (laughs) Uh, And then she goes to see her dad. Her real dad. Question mark? Uh, Footnote, citation needed. Who is in the military? Is it like an army recruitment station? She goes to see him. He's uh, he's there. She's been. He kind of is like like yeah, you know people are looking for. She's like ah, I was watching the place for a few hours like, and they have this conversation where it turns out she has uncovered the truth that he was overseas in the time that Kate should have been conceived, and that her real father is Wayne. Now, da, 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 da. <laughs> and she, this I did forget. I 100% forgot that. I forgot. I forgot dead. this also. I forgot this also. Because you want to know what? Wayne might have been her father, but this man was her real father. That was her daddy. Yes. 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 <laughs> so, and Kate found out, and this was kind of the, this turns out to be the straw that broke the camel's back of, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. And the father knows this. The father, the the the, the not real father, the man who raised, the her. Man who raised her, knows this. <laughs> and that's why he never told the truth about that Wayne was her real father, because he knew she would kill him. I have a lot of questions, just based on like their relationship. He knew for a fact unequivocally yeah she she gonna murder him if she finds that out like 
Also, oh, man. Also, I like that her response is like, why didn't you kill him? Like, which is kind of like... I don't have murder in my heart, sweetie. Yeah, and I mean, that should be our answer all the time. We shouldn't go around being like, like, oh, like, like, Josh fucked up at work today. Why didn't you kill him? Like, what? I don't have murder in my heart. If you take anything away from this podcast listeners anything at all please let it be maybe don't murder people they screwed up my order at taco bell why didn't you go murder them <laughs> i like the idea of now a storyline in which kate just murders everyone who does everyone and's like you should have done it i did it for you <laughs> it's okay i watched that show <laughs> If that if that got rid of the problem called Ben, I would one hundred percent be on board with that. Actually, wait, what? I love Ben. <laughs> wait, you're talking about Ben, ben from Linus? Ben Linus from Lost? Yes, he's evil. He kills John Locke, guys. Oh, I but love those two. Sorry. Ben <laughs> is, but Ben is. He's a manipulative evil man. He's a great character. <laughs> who he's got his own problems. He's such a good character that they only brought him in for like a like a mini arc guest star, and then they ended up making him recurring because um, oh why am I blanking on his name? Michael Emerson. He's so good. Blew it out of the park. With and he's character. one of only two actors to win an Emmy for the show. Him and Tara so Quinn. Emmy for Emerson. Let me get this straight, Will. <laughs> I like Ben, and I don't you like... You will defend Ben, but Anna Lucy because, is the terrible person? Because Ben is like a mustache-twirling villain, and it's easy to enjoy those people, where Anna Lucia is, <laughs> is shooting Shannon and, and throwing people in pits unfairly, and she... Is, Anna I will not stand here and listen to this slander we are not Ben is better than Anna Lucia. We are not going to debate Anna Lucia again. We did that for two episodes. We did. We did. So now let's go to the island. And let's just... Well, uh, I mean, the the scene where she says goodbye to her dad. You know, she yeah. learns the truth and he gives her that whole speech and then she he gives her an hour to, to hit the Which road. I thought was generous, personally. I thought she was going to be like, Dad, can you give me 30 minutes? But an hour is a lot of time to stall. Be like, oh, yeah. And like, how did he explain to his desk mates, that was my daughter, and yes, she's wanted, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to call it in. Uh, is this a rotary? Like, you how know, did he stall for that I much I assume there's some military code where they're going to be like, we understand. <laughs> like, where we're all, like, they're all in it together. They're all parents of vigilante children. Yeah. Well, that's what that's another happens. show I would watch. That's what happens to military brats. They get, you know, go around the whole just, country, and then they start killing people. <laughs> These young people taking justice into their own hands. So, um, let's get to the island. The island. We have to go back. <laughs> so, even though... I want to get into mostly the the Kate stuff first. Let's do start with where we start on the islands because it is a really nice moment. There's this moment. It's very peaceful after like the Aww. horrors that have happened in the last episode. It's a very peaceful moment, serene. Of it's the sun's rising and Jin comes out, and I Yay. had remembered this this scene uh, where Jin comes out and sun Shirtless. comes up and. Shirtless Jin. Dude, I've been sleeping on Daniel Day Kim. He he is hot. 
Mm. Uh, I did not fully appreciate this upon first airing. But yeah, when he comes out shirtless and the sun is shining on his pecs. <laughs> six pack. Oh, there you go. So good. Yeah, see? So good. And now, you know, always be my maybe. He's in that tent. <laughs> yes. Is yeah. he? Yeah. He's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. He's great. He's always great. Um, even though that Hellboy movie was terrible. But was it was good Hellboy to movie? see him on the big screen. But I digress. Because this isn't uh, No Love Hellboy. This is No Love Lost. And Daniel Day Kim as Jin comes out. Of the, and there's he this great... all of our love. And there's this moment where you... Because the thing that we got to remember is... Jin and Sun weren't just separated. It's like they've kind of been separated for years emotionally. Yes. yes. And now to see them together. And from here on out in the series, they really are like together. Island OTP. Seriously. Power couple. And there's that great moment where Hurley sees him and Hurley and him. <laughs> and it breaks Aww. that kind of language barrier they have where they give each other a look yeah. like, right? And Hurley gives him the thumbs up. <laughs> Hurley, you know, for. For a character that was used very sparingly in this episode, Hurley's scenes were absolute perfection in this episode. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then, though, to juxtapose this, we see Saeed then a little more in the distance Aww. digging a grave by himself, which it's like, oh, well, you know, we have love and then we have... Loss. This, yeah. So. Well... <laughs> In the hatch, uh, Jack is tending to Sawyer, and he hot. And he's. <laughs> I keep saying, why don't they just kiss? I wanted them to kiss so bad on this rewatch. I was like, oh, there's some like, chemistry here with like Matthew Fox and Josh Holloway. I feel like you know, more chemistry with <laughs> those two than there was with Jack and Kate yes. later in the episode. Thank you. That kiss meant nothing to me. We'll get there. Well, we'll, we'll get there because I got thoughts on that kiss too. Um. And he's and Sawyer's like kind of at it, and Jack's like, yeah, he's gonna think it's funny tending to you and blah blah blah. And he's he's making all these doctor jokes. Yeah, because he was like, he was like, Michael was telling me you pulled that bullet out with your bare hands. You're gonna have to show me that one. But like, Jack's being nice to a passed out Sawyer. (laughs) But then Sawyer, they're talking about Kate, and then Sawyer's like delirious and goes, I I love her, I love her. Spot on, Josh Holloway. (laughs) Well, that's mumbly. I was doing I was doing more of a Jackson Maine there, probably. Which, you know what, Jackson Maine has some Sawyer energy. So it's fun. But but uh yeah, And this I clearly mean, bothers Jack. Uh, a little too much. Get a wimp. And get over it. It's also, I think, outside of our main couple, outside of Jin and Son, the first time No, not that's not true, because Saeed he doesn't say "I love you, Shannon" um, until this episode, until where he funeral. says "I I loved her," um, but this is like the the first time, at least our main love triangle, anybody's actually admitted, like straight up saying using the L word, because mm. um, I think you know, obviously Boone had feelings for Shannon, but like but, those were unrequited. But he's also delirious. True. You know, I mean, I don't know if this I love you counts. <laughs> he could be thinking about um, something else, like Wendy's. <laughs> I oh, love I, Wendy. I, I'll tell you what, if I was on the island, I'd be going like, I love Wendy's. Yo quiero Taco Bell. So, I will say this. 
But the thing about Josh Holloway is he has chemistry, I think, with everyone on the show. Oh, my God. Everyone. I mean, even him and Michelle Rodriguez. Totally. Uh, they have great chemistry. Later seasons, him and Juliet, yep. great chemistry. He, he has chemistry with everyone. Honestly, I could ship him with literally everybody on this island. Yeah, it works. <laughs> he and Evangeline Lilly have that in common in terms of just as actors, they have chemistry with just about everybody they're in a scene with. And the writers must have realized this about Josh Holloway because they do kind of hook him up with everyone on this island. <laughs> and, you know. The whole Hurley Sawyer subplot threw me for a loop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm into it. Um, so Jack is, like, almost comically disturbed by this. Uh, like, the way he steps back, you'd think it was, like, the most horrific thing. Because he's, uh, he's heartbroken? Question mark? Because Fifi's got hoodies because he liked a cake cake. So. So what ends up happening is Kate, meanwhile, she's picking, what are they, mangoes? Is that what yes. she was picking? Were they mangoes? I thought they were apples, but. They weren't apples. No. Okay. apples. Wait a second. There's no apple. I There's was also orchard on the I was uh, also snowing at the same time I was watching this episode, so maybe I just wasn't paying attention <laughs> to what kind of fruits they were. They were red. I assumed they were apples. And then while she's doing this. The black horse comes down. She reacts like, what? And we, as we will later find out, we know why. But she has this very strange reaction. Also, you don't expect to see horses roaming around the jungle. Yeah. Not like a jungle animal. Now, yeah. they, they do a good job in this episode of pointing out a little later on, like, ah, a horse in this jungle isn't that far-fetched because we did see a polar bear yeah, day one. exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is... Her reaction is what sells it, though. Because She's this, because yeah. she knows this horse. <laughs> um, this horse saved her life, <laughs> and um, now it's come to but collect. But it is, it is funny when Charlie's because yeah, I guess a, I'd be if I saw a horse in the jungle, I could probably like shrug it off and be like, okay. But if I see a polar bear in the jungle. I'd be like, there's, there's something up here. But not anymore, not since this show, because the show normalized it. Now I expect polar bears yeah. in a yeah. jungle. I was like when, up in Yosemite a couple of weeks ago. I was like, ah, oh, should be a polar bear here. Whenever I'm in a jungle, I want to see polar bears. <laughs> whenever I'm anywhere in nature. <laughs> if there's not a polar bear, zero polar stars bear. on your And I'm talking, I go to Griffith Park. If there's a polar bear. Terrible reviews. Yeah, no, no polar bears. No polar zero bears. out of five stars. This is going to be my new thing. I'm going to do Yelp reviews for every place and just be like, no polar bears, zero stars. Until you go to SeaWorld and then you're like, they had two polar bears, so you get two stars. So, um, <laughs> we've gone on a tangent. <laughs> so, Kate comes back and Jack's like, there's going to be the funeral for Shannon. And Kate's like, well, I'll stay here and take care of Sawyer. You go to the funeral. And a uh, little, little bit that was dropped before this scene is that apparently she was up all night looking after Sawyer and that the only way Jack could get her to take a break was sending her on that food errand. Yeah. So she's... that they, they set the stage for her being delirious at this point. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it also, I thought, was a nice parallel because we see it just after her flashback of taking care of Wayne. She's used to taking care of men who are out of it. And <laughs> yeah. so it, it sets it up. It foreshadows for what is going to happen with Sawyer later in the episode. And also she's in charge now because she's going to be in the bunker 
uh, uh, of uh, the hatch, of, of pushing the button. The the push in the button. And having the funeral is actually a really good setup in terms of making sure that nobody else is there at yeah. the time. Because they, they make a point in this episode of saying that they have shifts of two people at a time. I don't want to get off Kate too, too much, so we'll hit some funeral points later. But she's tending to Sawyer's... You know, she's feeding him like, oh, it's gonna, you're going to get a laugh out of me feeding you like a baby. Blah, blah. <laughs> and then Sawyer... He goes, why, why did you kill me? <laughs> no joke. This really freaked me out the first yeah. time I watched it. Yeah. Oh, so and creepy. is it that Sawyer's delirious? Or is it Wayne? Ghost! <laughs> the ghost of Wayne is inhabited. So, and he, like, grabs her. And there's a hard, like, cut out of that. Yeah. And then when we get back, it is the alarms going off. It's like what is happening? Sawyer's, Sawyer's yeah. on the Sawyer's on the floor. Face down. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, technically, you had two jobs. You fucked them both up because you because you think your father, your dead father, has inhabited your island You're crush or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, I didn't even know what else to call. So then you're gonna risk. The whole world ending by not pushing that button. Kate is selfish, you guys. She is. I love her, but she's a little self-centered. She runs from responsibility. So immediately, like, you know, Locke is, like, typing in. Of course, he screws up the typing in. 22, no, it's 23. And and he gets it right at the end. Meanwhile, Jack's getting Sawyer back into bed, and it's like. Oh, another moment. Yeah, kiss him. Kiss him good. And it's like, what? Like, what happened here? So Kate is just... Kate's just wandering the, the <laughs> jungle. She's got things to think about. She's seeing horses. She's hearing what she thinks is her... Ghosts. Because, yeah, yeah I, I don't think very many people who've experienced the weirder stuff on the island have really openly talked about seeing things that shouldn't be there and hearing things that they shouldn't be hearing. So I, I think at this point, Kate's literally like, I'm going crazy. What's happening? Because there's no basis of comparison for anybody else yet. Yeah. And there are a couple of times where people do weirdly reassure her. Charlie about the polar bear. Saeed later saying he saw Walt. Yeah. And that stuff, I think, kind of normalizes some of the craziness for, for Kate. But Kate is, like, wandering around. She runs into... To, to Charlie and which I it took me a while to realize it but I was like I haven't seen them like in a scene together in a while and I, I love them they're so cute you guys they were dating do you know that that's right during I the forgot. first few seasons they were no an way. item mm-hmm. I forgot this yeah. I totally forgot this yeah well I mean it was easy to forget because you're like why is this a thing oh, no, okay it's a thing <laughs> they're no longer together but they were together for like several years after the show ended I believe Wow, yes. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even know if I remember I, them at, like ever being together. Like, I don't know if I ever got. I the knew this at the time, and I totally forgot it. Uh, like a lot of well, things. They are with the cute. Show. <laughs> they are cute when they're on screen together. They are cute. They're charming. Um, and mean, they were both in Lord of the Rings movies. 
Well, she's not in because she was in the she was in the Hobbit films. Is Dominic Moynihan in the Marvel universe at all? Because that would be cool. Because now they're both they would be both in the MCU. That would be cool. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. We need to make that happen. I don't know. Maybe I don't know how their relationship uh, ended. Maybe it's not good. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I heard. (laughs) Did you break them up, Will? I did, and I'm actually dating Evangeline Lilly now. I've just never decided to tell you guys. Whoa, cool. What um, does she think of this podcast? She has she has thoughts on your thoughts. I'll tell you that much. How does she feel about Detective Kate? She's she's uh, she's working on uh, she's you know she's buying detective hats and things. She's, she's trying she's them out. Ready, so she's, out. she's yeah. testing out. She the wants concept. to go real like, like noir kind of. No, like more like a fedora. Hot. Like, yeah. awesome. She could pull that yeah. off so well. Oh, um, you never perfect. know with these things, uh, because why not? Uh, we always go long anyway on this show. Uh, complete side note that has nothing to do with loss. Uh, on Game of Thrones, Lena Headey, this is what I've always heard, Lena Headey dated the guy who played Bronn. No way. And apparently, they dated years ago, and apparently the breakup was so bad that that's why Cersei and Bronn never appear in a scene together. Oh, no because way. they don't even want to be on set the same time. That's so unfortunate. That's like the opposite of what happened to Dexter and Deborah on Dexter, where Michael C. Hall and uh, Jennifer Carpenter were married after yeah. season one, and they divorced around season five. But they, 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 they conti- their characters got more intimate as the show went on, so they were cool post-divorce. I, I think it was a little awkward. <laughs> but, but they the were storyline, yes. I, I think they were, pro- like, professionally speaking... They, I, I don't know. Um, I only watched part of season one of Dexter, but I think I think I remember hearing that they were both as professional as they could be in the in the given, given the circumstances. Well, if you, you've never seen Dexter, I, I've seen part of season one. All right. Well, spoiler alert: they do a whole incest storyline between them in season no! six and seven. Yeah, yeah, it gets no! real weird. So their relationship was healed enough that they could do those intimate moments with each other, and we assume have it not be totally weird. No! Their chemistry is great on screen. Hey, let's just, while we're on this topic, let's give it up to the, maybe the best one, though, that has worked out to this day, Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese and the Americans, who they met on the Americans, they played husband and wife, then they became husband and wife, then they had children, and they're still together today. And they all became Russian spies. It's really weird. And they're responsible for meddling in the the 2016 election. Beautiful. Cycle of life. Not only did they find true love, but they found their callings, too. That's wonderful. Um, What more could you want? So Kate's having these, like, so she's talked to Charlie, and this didn't really help her. And <laughs> I mean, classic conversation with Charlie. I love him, but, yeah, he's not, he's not super helpful. If it's not written on his hand, he's not helpful. You know, he's, she's having conversations with her. Jack's having conversations with Hurley. I, although I do, uh, talking about how, like, kind of whiny Jack was in this episode, I did love, I did love that scene. I mean, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I did love the scene between him and Hurley. Yeah, we'll get to that in one second, because we're almost there. Because Jack then finds Kate, and they have this scene <laughs> where she's kind of having this emotional breakdown that turns into them kissing. But it is, and I mean, I, I don't know if it's a lack of chemistry thing, because I think it's supposed to be like, I don't think it's supposed to be some great kiss. I think it's supposed to be like... Like, she's a I'm, mess. Yeah. I'm a mess. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to kiss this guy. <laughs> but, hey, we've all been there. 
We've all been like, I just need to kiss Matthew Fox. I understand. That's when you hit your lowest. (laughs) (laughs) That's so mean. Um, It's a long climb back up from the kissing Matthew Fox point. But it's so funny because I was just rewatching a movie with um, with. Anna Lucia, Michelle Rodriguez. I was rewatching Widows the other day, which oh, is a movie I love. Yeah. But there's a scene in that movie where there's this weird emotional breakdown she has with this stranger, and they have this awkward yes. kiss. And I watched that shortly before I rewatched this episode, so it reminded me of that. It reminded me of this thing that you just have all these emotions that you have to put somewhere. And Kate is internalizing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And as, as you guys were saying before, that then sometimes that always comes out in a bad way way whether it's for murdering someone or running or something like yeah. that but this it it's came out with, destructive in some way shape or form and this came out like i'm going to like yeah. messy kiss <laughs> jack right now well even though i am not a jack and kate shipper I, I this is what i did appreciate about the kiss so first of all my reaction to seeing it you know upon this rewatch involuntarily i went ew the second <laughs> they started kissing but so i feel like sawyer represents the men who were in Kate's past, where she is presently. And Jack represents the type of person, man, that represents where she wants to be as a person in the future. She wants to be better. She doesn't know how to get there. But I think in this moment, she sees the goodness in Jack comforting her and thinks for a moment, oh, I want to be better. I want to be good. And this is, and that is expressed in the kiss. Yeah. I, I 100% concur with that. Um, I will say that the first time I watched this episode, I was like early on, I was a Jack and Kate shipper. Mostly again, I will keep I will say this over and over and over again on this podcast. The goodwill from the pilot mm. really, really dictated a lot of my interpretations of the characters for literal seasons. And so they were so good in the pilot together that I kinda wanted Jack and Kate to get together. So I remember upon a first watch when they kissed, I was like, oh, "Yay! Like it's happening!" And then, of course, it didn't. It didn't pan out, and the love triangle continued on and on and on um, to the point where it became really, really tedious and really upsetting. Upon a second watch, and again, I haven't gone back to this season first since it first aired. Upon a second watch, I yeah, this is not a romantic kiss. This is a oh, sweetie, like, oh, you are, you are not in a good place. Yeah. And uh, it, for for me, for this second time around, I am like, oh, poor Kate, more than anything else. Um, so then Kate and Jack kind of go to their respective corners. She has her conversation with Saeed that we talked about before where she's still like kind of breaking down. But Saeed puts it in perspective when he's like, well, I saw Walt in the jungle. <laughs> um Definitely didn't mention that he heard ghosts. (laughs) Like, am I going? Like, am I going crazy? Like, who's going crazy here? Uh, And Jack has a conversation with Hurley because Jack's chopping wood like (laughs) Sawyer does, and Uh Hurley starts it off in funny, awkward Hurley way when he's like, uh, "Eh, "So Rose's husband's white. Didn't see that coming." And then, yeah, I don't know if that joke could fly in twenty nineteen. No, I was. It's so funny. Like, I'm like. Well, I see that every day in media, you know, like there's all these commercials now, like there's, there's like, like, Hugo, <laughs> like Hugo, but I guess that's, but I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I guess maybe, I mean, there are definitely people who think that today, I, but it's not like charming. Cause I, I know, like, I know, like 
it was a party and it was an ex-girlfriend of mine there and someone's like oh your ex-girlfriend's black and i said yeah <laughs> like and they seemed like taken aback by this <laughs> and i didn't i didn't know what to Here's do with thing. that <laughs> hurley is obviously making a joke He's obviously yeah. making a joke, and yeah. it's no Hurley's not. Playing, we're not, like, we're ah. not going to go down a Hurley's no. secretly racist thing because <laughs> oh. that's not what's happening Again, here. His name is Hugo. It's fine, but like, <laughs> but like, I will say that this is an attitude that persists. Um, and I, I will cite a very recent example. Uh, who all has seen Spider-Man: Homecoming? Yeah. Oh, Homecoming! Oh, yeah. yeah, the first. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh. Yes. yes. Spider-Man: Homecoming. They oh. deliberately play on the expectations of you expect someone's father to look a certain way. Well, you know what's so yeah. funny though. Here's the thing. If I'm to be honest, when this, I probably did not expect Rose's husband to be white <laughs> either. Going into this, especially I expected in him to be dead. Fine, <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of figured we were never going to see him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but then, so then he, he's like, "Why are you mad at Sawyer? You mad at Sawyer because you're like, uh, it's like transferring, like, and he's hitting, he's he's doing the thing Sawyer does when he's chopping up wood." Like the dad in the Amityville Horror. Like, let me just go and chop wood from now Jack, until the sunset. Jack insists he's not mad at Sawyer. But he is mad at Sawyer because <laughs> Sawyer loves Kate. And then Kate just sent Jack weird mixed signals because she's an emotional mess. And Jack doesn't understand that. Jack doesn't understand how to be in a relationship with women. No, because <laughs> his, his marriage failed. And yeah. then his relationship with Kate will eventually fail. Yeah. So, you know. Um... <laughs> doesn't work out for him no so kate goes back to the hatch and re- and son's there with sawyer and she's like son like i gotta i, I gotta i gotta i'll take care of sawyer for a while <laughs> and basically she starts talking to which is really kind of insane <laughs> when she starts talking to wayne through sawyer and then it's like maybe he is possessed by the ghost of wayne and she has this kind of, she kind of has this, you know, cathartic emotional conversation to the man she killed. And then, of course, because the ghost of her dead father is not inhabiting <laughs> Sawyer, uh, Sawyer kind of comes to, and he's like, are we in a bunk bed? Like, what's, like, happening here? Aww. I'm living for these Josh Holloway impersonations. Well, this is these are not. I can only do like draggy people on like all sorts of painkillers. Like, like I, I love I love her. <laughs> and this is so 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 cute because he's like, have we been rescued? Yeah. And and she's like, no. And he's like, you're pulling my chain. We are definitely rescued. Because then she's giving him a tour of the hatch. Which looks better than my apartment, by the way. <laughs> it looks way better than my apartment. It's a nice place to live. Not not a lot of sunlight, though. My I need sunlight better. coming in. My computer's better. And <laughs> yeah. I get more natural light. I don't have a Victrola. Mm. I would like a Victrola. You gotta get on that. I mean, you could, you, you could get one. Yeah, but, like, I'm gonna have to go to a thrift store or, like, down to... Like Sunset Boulevard, one of the two. <laughs> I bet you there's some like hipster nonsense Victrola you could buy <laughs> on Amazon yeah. for sure. <laughs> so then they go outside, and he's like, ah, "Son of a bitch!" Like we're still on it. We're still on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
And they sit there and they're talking and then he sees the horse. Yes. By the way, he's giving a weird look for a while. It takes it takes Kate a long time to decide to turn around and see what this guy's looking yeah, at. It's because uh, she's lost in Sawyer's eyes. Well, I mean, who you can't blame her. <laughs> and and, it, and there's the horse. And uh, yeah. And I love that he's the only other person who sees the horse. Like both she and him. Like she felt most comfortable, even though she kissed Jack, she felt most comfortable telling the truth to Sawyer and bearing her soul yeah. to Sawyer. And so it's great that Sawyer bears witness to the horse as well. Well, also, you know, Sawyer is, like, Jack's a little judgy. Thank you! You know, and <laughs> Sawyer, you know, Sawyer's been through some shit. And Sawyer's not going to judge you. Yes. I mean, oh. we, we very much get that during their game of I Never oh, the, season one. It's my favorite freaking scene. It's so good. It's masterfully so good. done. So haunting. One of our favorite scenes that we've talked about on this show was probably I, I have goosebumps now just thinking about mm. it. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so there are <laughs> other things that happen on the island and <laughs> we gotta get <laughs> to them. Are there? And uh, we're gonna get to them right now. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, are we waiting for something? No, for briefly, I thought we were. Um, so there was a funeral. I, uh, a very, very emotional performance. Uh, spot on. Oh, this was so good. Yeah. Uh, David. Uh, David yeah. Andrews. Yeah, he does a great job in the scene. giving Because we don't, there aren't a lot of moments where we see him like, we, we see him emotional. We've seen him broke break down before, but not about like this like lost love and this person taken away that he was like because the thing was i love his little eulogy where he talks about we never would have known each other but we did meet yeah we did speak we did speak and it's this beautiful thing of what what could have been and what was the it's a love cut too short yeah and I think my my only problem with this scene isn't actually the scene itself. It's a beautiful scene. It's that thing that we've talked about in the past. It's just that after this moment, I don't really think we ever see Saeed mourning Shannon ever again. Like it becomes all about Nadia and getting back with Nadia. And Nadia. you could <laughs> you could argue that that's just him pushing his grief down um, and trying his best to move on and move past it. But, like, I don't know. And, and we, we talked about a lot about well, this a lot well, during the Shannon episode. But, like, that's basically and, it for Shannon. Well, one it's thing, done. it's funny on the rewatch because when the series ends, there's this idea that, like, Saeed and Shannon had to find each other in that kind of afterlife thing again. And it's like, wasn't his true love Nadia? Yeah. But the show did a better job than I had remembered with their relationship and the way it started. The, on the, on the rewatch, it hit me harder than you know years of hmm. not remembering Shannon being around and then seeing I, them in I love think, again. I think that's not the fault of these early seasons because it's it's entirely possible that her loss was supposed to affect him more deeply than it did than it ended up doing, um, and then just other things in the show took priority and that idea kind of got tossed out until the final season when they were like well, let's bring elements back from the early season, stuff we wanted to play around with but didn't get the chance to. Um, and so maybe that was the idea behind it. I, I legitimately don't know, but 
I feel like that's a fault of later seasons and not the fault of these early ones laying that groundwork. So, uh, just to kind of put a button on the funeral stuff, uh, Echo comes to Ana Lucia. And she's off by herself, and Echo's like, I'm going to the funeral. And Ana is not going to the funeral. Good move, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think that's the right move. Don't go to the funeral of the person you accidentally killed, even if it's an accident. Yeah, don't. You know what? I'll don't. tell you what. Megan, someone accidentally kills me, don't tell them not to come to my funeral. <laughs> and if it's you, don't come to my funeral. I promise, Will, if I end up killing you because of this podcast or because of an accident, an unrelated accident, I will not go to your funeral. Um, But Echo goes, and... Kind of to wrap this up real fast, we see Ana Lucia one more time in the episode where she's on the beach sharpening a stick. Um, Because <laughs> what else are you going to do? Because that's what Ana Lucia does. <laughs> that's what you do for she fun creates when weapons. You're stuck she wants to accidentally stab someone yeah. next. <laughs> and, and Jack comes over to her and is like, oh, they're going to have that drink they never had on the plane. They don't have mixers, but they're. Uh, Wasteful use of medical supplies, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here going, like, what a thoughtful gentleman but bringing the, me tequila. But here's here's the thing. She's, like, Jack, she's the, honestly, is the most alone person on the island right now. But Jack, whether he should feel this way or not, is also feeling that way. It's like the two people, he's feeling like, because he feels weird about the whole Kate thing, and he's he is mad at Sawyer, and he he's doesn't like jealous. any of this. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, He's Jack is a little bit of a pouty, like I'm all alone too. And here's that woman I <laughs> met I'm on the plane. <laughs> so I'm gonna go have a drink with her. And it is this moment where we have these two kind of people who are isolating themselves. Uh, yeah, I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, I love those two as an as a yin and yang of one another mm. much more than I like Jack and Locke as a yin and yang of one another. I think they, I like their dynamic. I like their chemistry. And honestly, I buy them as a better couple than Jack and Kate. And so initially upon this rewatch, when he shows up with drinks, I'm like, ooh, yeah. Like, I, I know this doesn't end well. Like, I know that this doesn't pan out well for anybody involved. Because Michelle Bridger has got a DUI. But I'm loving this moment right now. Up until Jack had to friggin' ruin it. Stupid misogynist dummy. Yeah, because she's like, because Ana Lucia says, like, uh, like you can sit with me as long as you don't try to convince me that everybody here doesn't hate me. And he's like, only if you try, don't try to convince me that all women aren't crazy. And that's when she should have taken the tequila and been like, well, good day to you, sir. Um, that's thanks for I the drink. Wrote in my notes, <laughs> Jack sucks. <laughs> That was the exact moment. I was like, I was rooting for you in this moment, Jack. I was like, yeah, you and Anna Lucia get together. Yeah, this could work. And then he goes and says that misogynistic shit. And granted, I, I get it. He's feeling messed up because of Kate. I get it. Fuck and, you, Jack. And Anna Lucia at this point isn't one to like call out a potential friend because she's yeah. got none. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, just fuck you, Jack. That was awful. Jack, you suck. <laughs> You're going to have to shape up if I'm going to come to your defense at all. <laughs> so back in the hatch. This stuff was so... You know me. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this hatch stuff. 
this was some good shit. Well, and part of it, I think, is because of the the one particular person who is involved in the stuff, Mr. Echo, who has oh. such a great air of mystery about him and gravitas about him. He's and so good! So, Michael's kind of inspecting things. He's like, what are these blast doors for? And we're like, we don't know what this <laughs> is. Like, Michael's like, hmm, like this. Like, Michael's like, I want to take a look at all this equipment. And Locke's like, don't break it. And Michael's <laughs> like, I'm going to look at equipment. I mean, we only just really see him looking at equipment. Like, uh, but. It, it didn't occur to me until this episode and Michael, you know, asking these questions. It didn't occur to me just how little effort John Locke had put into solving the actual mysteries of the hatch. Well, was, well that's because Locke just accepts, like, yeah, Locke believes, believes in the power of the island, and he feels that the island wants him to do this, eventually something will come to him. And it kind of does in this yeah. episode. So, oh, were you going to? No, oh. no. But, um, so, Locke does say, well, there's a film, and he's going to show it to Michael, and, and Mr. Echo's like, I'd like to watch that film. <laughs> That's my Mr. Echo impression. I would like to watch the film. I love it. Um, and they go, I mean, you close your eyes, and you think you're... That's right there. I'm there. I'm in Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> it's 2005. So they watch the film that we've seen before, which is kind of the orientation for the hatch, and like, okay, okay. Uh, and Which I do have to, uh, we didn't point it out the first time, but I gotta say, it's real weird seeing a man in a lab coat say, namaste. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to shout out uh, Francois Chow, who plays uh, the scientist in the video. I forget what name he's given in the show. Oh, Dr. Pierre Chang. Um, I took an acting class with him last year, and he's a lovely human being and really smart and insightful. He's, awesome. he's great on the show, and it's great that he gets more to do in the when we start traveling through time. Yes. So, watching the video, a video, the film, <laughs> and... Popping the DVD. When it ends, like, Locke's kind of talking to Michael and Echo. They're like, what do you think? And Echo's like, just, Echo's not saying a damn thing. Echo's just, <laughs> he just gets Echo. up and he walks off. And at first, I totally thought he was just done with this whole thing. And I was like, yeah, Mr. Echo. But the way... Man after my own heart. But the, but the way he... The look on his face, it's like, oh, we have another believer here. Yeah. So, cut to Echo sitting there at the little kitchen dinette set. Want to see something cool? And he locks us in. He goes, he, he has something. Let's show him. He goes, uh, let me begin at the beginning. Before Christ. <laughs> and then Locke has... Locke's like, no, you really are beginning at the beginning. Um, are we going to be I going was... through the begats? We're going to be here a while. We're going to hit the begats. And this is the point where I'm like, oh, no, the show's about religion now. Come on. You know what? It's so funny because it is a... Sh and I feel like you have a... Just from comments you made... I, I have no idea how you feel about religion, but I feel like comments you've made throughout... I am not a religious person at all, and yet, weirdly, a lot in, like, entertainment and spiritual stuff, it weirdly always works for me. Mm. I don't know why, but, like, in the reality of the world, I'm like, this is no good. But then, like, on a TV show, I'm like, yeah. It's fascinating. An allegory yeah. to hold everything we're seeing. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, so, it's, it's weird. Um, but, you know, 
basically Echo tells the story of how they discovered the Old Testament or whatever. And then he hands a Old Testament to Locke and he opens it up and there's film in there. There's a film reel cut into it. It's the missing part of uh, of the film the that they had, the orientation film, yeah, video. Training DVD. Tra- yeah. And <laughs> the missing part of the DVD. <laughs> but you know what's so funny is when they do watch it, the reveal of what it reveals of like don't communicate with because I knew that because I've watched the show before, I really thought there was something bigger in it that I hadn't remembered. Like, and at the I time, I bet you I was like, oh. but, <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, there wasn't there more? I guess it's basically not. the equivalent of don't talk to strangers on the internet, yeah. <laughs> which my parents had been telling me for years at that point, and which Michael immediately does. <laughs> well, that's that's the whole thing is that like I don't know if how big of a like a woo revelation just that bit of the film was supposed what to be. It, what it what sets it leads up to. at yes. the very end of the episodes in term in terms of a cliffhanger, like that's clearly the purpose that it serves. Um, yeah. So that so there is also a great moment that I loved where Echo, although he is a man who believes in a lot of the craziness and comes to believe a lot of the the spiritual craziness of the island, and he is a man of 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 faith. You know, he, I mean, he took a weird road to get there but he's a man of faith um he says uh when Locke is like what are the odds that these two people on two sides of the island would have this oh my god is Terry O'Quinn in yeah. here oh my god you didn't tell me he was guesting on the podcast <laughs> Megan I wanted I, you to be surprised what I you know what I love and this is why uh you're a terrific actress that you fully committed that by actually closing your eyes <laughs> to pretend that you were hearing Terry O'Quinn. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much. that's the commitment that you have there. You got it. Um, but he says, uh, and then Echo's like, don't mistake coincidence for fate. And I thought that was... So good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, and I mean, you know, I think people struggle with that a lot on the island. And that also could be like, goes in line with the horse storyline mm. like is it a coincidence is it, is it fate the same horse or is it just a horse that the dharma initiative happened to have right. and again there's this weird mental connection and on on that kind of note i do want to ask you guys what was going on in this episode in terms of the horse and in terms of wayne's ghost like i have a i have a thought like, because part of me does like like the idea of, like, it was just a hallucination, but that gets shot when, you know, Sawyer sees the horse, too. Um, I have a thought. You know how J.J. Abrams and a, a lot of the creators behind this show are big fans of Stephen King? Hmm, yeah. Are they? Oh, yeah, they're, they're huge Stephen King fans. That makes fans. sense. Um, and Juliet's favorite book is Carrie. Uh... Does? Sawyer, now, now stay with me on this one, guys. Does Sawyer have The Shining? Because in his episode, remember, he hears the ghosts saying specifically it'll come back around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Saeed also heard the ghosts at one point, but like, 
I'm uh, like that. The the ghost specifically saying it'll come back around. That wasn't just indistinct whispers. That was a deliberate message to Sawyer. And here I, in this episode, Wayne supposedly possesses him. So I'm like, I'm, does Sawyer have the shining? I mean, I always go that it's like the gods of the island, the man in black, and Jacob fucking with people. Like the island gives you the things you need to advance yeah. forward evolve and even like, sometimes you're all candidates even here. sometimes off island because they were candidates like i i mean i half jokingly was like did jacob send that horse but jacob <laughs> but probably did literally. send that horse <laughs> yeah well i can't help but wonder if you've taken another life do are you then more attuned to those who are no longer with us well there's only one way to find out we gotta go, go i know right, guys, i said the knives i know i said don't kill was the message of this podcast but now you've asked such an intriguing question that i think we have to but i mean it does but but to what you're saying it's it's she did kill this person and well, i and think Saeed's if you're killed people yeah exactly too, so that's that's a good point and sawyer's killed people yep. and i think if you I imagine if you kill somebody, even if, if you're if you're a good person at heart and you have killed somebody, even if they were somebody who quote unquote deserved it, you're gonna be haunted yes. by the fact that you've taken a human life. Saeed says that when Charlie killed um, Ethan. Yeah. yeah. Um that was back in season one. <laughs> Who's Ethan? I need to go rewatch season one. When did Charlie kill anybody? Charlie killed Ethan. Ethan kidnapped, kidnapped Claire. Claire. Oh. He was the other who was embedded with Tom Cruise's uh, Tom Cruise's cousin, cousin, William Maypother. Thank you. I remember Ethan. Who? Oh, and, Ethan, of course. Um, <laughs> we'll edit that in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but the episode does end with a good cliffhanger of Michael's talking to someone who says. Dad? And is it Walt? Probably not. It's probably others fucking with you. But you don't know that yet. <laughs> I love how Harold Perrineau... Yeah. Perrineau was, um, I have trouble with that name, so I'm glad you said it. <laughs> and I would have agreed with whatever you said. I, I appreciate that. I love how Harold Perrineau's mouth, at, right before they cut, just twitches to a, do, a W, and you know he's about to be like, Walt! I don't know if you watch The Walking Dead, but I've said before that like Walt was like how on The Walking Dead Rick was always like Carl, Carl, oh. and now we got. But the, Walt was the original. The original was the also, uh, Harold, uh, last name I can't pronounce. Harry no. Harry no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will say this: I've gone past his house on Halloween. He does a good job. My oh, friends live in the same neighborhoods, and that we always. We always go for like a walk on Halloween just to see their whole neighborhood, uh-huh. and he's always got a—he's got like a table out in front of his driveway that he's sitting there handing out candy. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. yeah. So, listeners of this podcast, don't harass Harold Perrineau if you walk by his house on Halloween. So, be cool. Be cool. Be cool. As I knew it would, because even when we don't have a guest, we go long. I always have this dream of we're going to keep this show to an hour, but we've been going about ninety. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap us up here. And uh, we always do our kind of our man in black, our Jacob, our our thing we like, thing we didn't like. Our, so our big pro and our big con. We will start episode. with our guest. Uh, big pro for the episode for me upon this rewatch was shirtless Jim. <laughs> okay, well let's. Hell if, yeah. 
we could unpack that, or we could all do our we could all do our Jacobs first. I mean, there's not really much to unpack. He kind of did all the packing or. himself. Hey, um, <laughs> the six packing. Um, and my uh, your my, man in black. My man in black is that kiss with Jack and Kate. Um, I just. I have a, I have a, I need to, I think, go back and watch season one with the pilot and everything to get a better sense of Jack, but I've never been on the side of that character, and it, it, it pains me, because he is the protagonist of the show, Ooh. and so, um, yeah, that whole, you know, Jack and Kate beginning of that love triangle stuff, just, ugh, ugh. I mean, by the end of the series, I was rooting for Jack. By the end of the series, you weren't rooting for Jack, because at the end of the series, he's <laughs> like, he he's come to believe certain things and he's like a force of good i think because also we get to see him knocked down a lot yeah by then <laughs> i just feel like jack is kind of almost like a and i hate uh, okay if you're angry with me for saying this i don't care universe he's almost like a mary sue character in the sense that I feel like it's the writer putting himself in the situation, like, what would I do if I were in this mess? And, like, everybody <laughs> should follow me. I'm, nobody understands me. Like, he walks among us, but he is not one of us. Like, everyone wants to feel that way about themselves, right? At our most kind of immature. And I do agree he does mature. It's a maturation. It's a journey. It's a hero's journey, in a sense, for him. Um, but it's just not one that I find compelling because there is this element of mas self-masturbation in it, I feel. Um... It's just not interesting to me. As interesting as some of the other characters. That's that's what I feel. It's it's funny that you point that out in terms of uh, Jack's level of maturity as a character because we were actually talking about it in, um, I think it was the previous episode, where um, Jack and Kate are, are golfing together. And he says something along the lines of like, oh, I'm pretty good for like a girl or something like that. He, he something makes along a joke that. about like, uh, where the women's tea is at the golf club that he's yeah. been to, but he God Jack sucks, and like, but and he's doing it in a flirty way, in the way that like a middle schooler would, where like it's like I'm teasing you because you're like a girl, but like or that's not thirty something the... comedy writer. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's not how you interact with women, my my good man, my good dude. Um, <laughs> um what is your uh, Jacob and your man in black. My Jacob, like, I keep, like, I, I've said time and time again, Evangeline Lilly's acting is absolutely superb, but I'm actually going to give it to the scene with Mr. Echo and, Law, and, and Locke. Um, mostly because I, I, I know that, like, I've said before, I feel pretty agnostic these days, and, and much like you will, where it's like, I have an interesting relationship with religion these days. But what I do love is you, within a narrative, using a story to illustrate a point. And I, and maybe that is because I grew up going to church and, you know, that, that was a big component of like, we're going to tell you a story and then we're going to use that to, to teach you a lesson. Um, but I really love it when media does that, where it's like, I'm telling you a story and this is expanding the world that we're in and also teaching you something. And I, I love the way this monologue was shot. I love the way it was acted. It was really, really good. And the, the, the second that book opens and you see the microfilm in it, oh, it's such a good payoff. 
And even though what's on the microfilm isn't super interesting, um, the scene leading up to it was so, so good. So that that gets my man in white this time. How about the man in black? I'm having <laughs> trouble finding one. And by the way, the reason I wasn't looking at you while you were saying all of that, I was looking at my notes because <laughs> fuck you, you took mine. <laughs> so... So I'm trying to find a, I'm oh. trying to find a new I one. I have an I extra man in white. I mean, Jacob, if you if you want to borrow it. Okay, well, let's hear your man <laughs> um, in black. Man in black could honestly go for a number of things. Um, like it could be that that awful comment that Jack made in terms of like, oh, oh women are crazy. Like, I will probably give it to that. But I, yeah, I'm gonna give it to that. Although I will. I will maintain that I do have a problem with the lack of explanation for the horse and, like, what the heck was happening. Well, then, let me make my man in black a lack of explanation for, is Wayne really (laughs) inhabiting Sawyer? (laughs) Like, are are we to, like, I don't know whether we're to believe whether that's happening. I guess that's okay, but... Sometimes ambiguity is fine. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> and uh, what you said you had another Jacob? My other Jacob would be, it's just so nice to see the extras while we still have them. Like, <laughs> at the funeral, I, you know, I was like, oh, you guys, you're doing so well. And, you know, they kept casting the same extras, I think. And then ultimately, None of them they all dirty. die. <laughs> oh, 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 can I just say, yes, okay. If I were on a desert island for three days, I would have a full-on stash and a unibrow and my armpit hair would be down my hips. And, like, how do the women and men on this show stay so impeccably groomed? Well, now they got a shower. In the hatch. Shower in the hatch. The hatch takes care of them. Yeah. Hatch solves all those problems. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? I'm sa- I know you're always... But I love Mr. Echo in this episode. I love just the way he... He, the way he watches the film, the way he doesn't say anything, the way that he has to pre- do this whole presentation. So I'm going with that. Um, okay. Yeah, so. it's okay when we get the same ones every now and then. Sometimes the best part of the episode but is even your, very apparent. I'll tell you what, even your shirtless gin one <laughs> is high on my list for, because, not necessarily because Dan they came shirtless for me, but because <laughs> I think it is such like a beautiful little cathartic emotional moment to open this episode on. Totally. Yeah. There's, there's also a really cute moment where... He finally gets the handcuff off. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where um, Michael helps him take it off, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Locke. Yeah. Locke, Locke does. helps him take it off. Yeah. And, but, but, but Michael's he and Michael have a yeah, moment. But, yeah, they have a moment. Yeah. And and I I think it's it's a beaut- it's a, such a tiny thing, but it's a beautiful thing because it ties into what you were just saying, Will. Is that like that handcuff kind of <sighs> represented the chains that were you know that he was like that was binding him in terms of like his negative relationship with son and and like all of this other stuff that was tying him back to the life that they had and now that he and son are reunited he is finally free of that mm. of that of that baggage of those chains okay now before we go it's time for plugs where can <laughs> the people find you uh, well, if you're interested in finding me, Zara Fuzzle, online, you can follow me on Instagram at Zara Fuzzle or Twitter at Zara Fuzzle. Uh, and do you have anything you'd like to plug coming up? Oh, sure. Um, I'm on a little show called Young Justice Outsiders, 
and uh, I play Halo as well as uh, several other characters. And our second half of our third season is now streaming on the DC Universe, and so we're oh. dropping new episodes every Tuesday until the end of August. Nice. So check Woo. it out. What a fun summer treat. That's so exciting. Yay. Um, I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my cohort, Katie Cullen, talk about horror-related things. At the time of this recording, we are wrapping up our Attack on Titan vlogs, but uh, at the time of this recording, it hasn't aired yet, but the three-night event for season three of Scream is coming back. So expect vlogs on those very, very soon. Um, they, in fact, they'll probably be up by the time this episode airs. And uh, finally, I am also a member of the Rooster Team, where uh, that is a series of podcasts where uh, me and my friends talk about Rooster Teeth-related shows. Uh, so right now, Camp Camp Counselor's Corner is going on. Uh, so go check that out. It's a ton of fun. You can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> the real Will Link. Um, and of course, buy my book. Woo! I wrote a novel. It's terrific. And I need to boost those sales. So um, my book's called Crazy About Kurt. It takes place over one uh, it takes place over one night in the dirtbag suburbs of Long Island and follows uh, four teenagers on the night Kurt Cobain died. I love that. I was just looking at your book on your Twitter while you were describing it, and I want to read it. You should. It's terrific. I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, uh, buy that. And, and if you're interested, you can also buy a Crazy About Kurt t-shirt on the podcast Jukebox Network. Yeah, and you can buy a No Love Lost uh, t-shirt. You can buy t-shirts for all the shows on the podcast Jukebox Network and my book for some reason. <laughs> Don't ask me why. All I know is I feel weird about wearing a shirt of my own book. Um... Uh, yeah, and you can follow us at No Love Lost Pod. So Twitter, yep. do that too, and we'll keep the conversation going. Uh, been a lot of Anna Lucia talk, <laughs> uh, so I've enjoyed that. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you guys for having me. And I, I, I feel bad. I'm sorry I called Jack a Mary Sue. <laughs> it's okay. He's. We all know he's a Gary Stew. It's oh. okay. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. Um, anytime you want to come back. Yeah, start uh, looking at season three episodes. Oh, goody. Oh, I smell a uh, bear cage action. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Oh, we have to have you on for that. All right. Uh, so until then, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me, as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts 
far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. <laughs> uh, 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 off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, proud to be kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>